We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. Well, we've been working through the, the book of 1 Peter. What an, an opportunity we have to really dive into this book. And I hope over the last two weeks it's been an encouragement to you. I know it has been for me as, as, as um, I've had the opportunity to study through this. Um, this, you know, we've been working really through the first chapter of the book of First Peter. And the first week we looked at the salutation or the greeting um, where Peter uh, introduced us to the sojourners or the aliens, which we as Christians are aliens and sojourners to this world in which we live. And he tried to encourage them not to make this their home because this wasn't their home. They would be uh, of a different place, uh, an eternal place with God our King. And then we, last week, we looked at Peter's response to the Christian salvation and we talked about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the importance of that and how you and I as Christians, because we've been born again, have the ability to give thanks in many things. And so we saw that Peter was thankful and so we should be not only be thankful for everything, but specifically he wanted us to be thankful for the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He wanted us to be thankful for the secure inheritance that we had. And finally, we looked at the protected salvation. And those three things are really going to intertwine through our message today, even in from last week, because it's such a vital importance as he enters this book as we look at those things. And so today, not only have we looked at the salutation and Peter's prayer of thanksgiving, but today we will be looking at Peter's praise of proven faith. Now you see on the outline there, um, if you go to the next slide, uh, the outline there says verses 6 to 9. Well, in my office this morning, I decided to change that uh, to verses 6 to 12. And uh, I hope that, that that will be clear as we look through this. And so today we're going to move right into to Peter's praise of proven faith through his grace. You know, many times as Christians, we come to a place in our lives where we really begin to question our faith. Uh, if you've never been there, if you've, if you've been that Christian that has never questioned your faith or your allegiance to the king then uh, give it some time and there will be some difficulties in which you encounter, some sin which you allow to creep into your life that will allow you to push you beyond your ability to understand God's grace and His mercy. The truth is, the reality is, is that not only do we sometimes struggle with that, but there are many uh, around the world that believe that they're truly of the faith but their faith may be rooted in something that the Bible teaches isn't true. And so there may be some that their faith is built upon their works or their efforts, their abilities. Maybe their faith is built upon rituals. Maybe their faith is built upon prosperity. Whatever the case is, there are some that we will encounter in this world. If you share your faith enough, you will encounter those that are 100% sure if they were to to die today or Christ were to come back, They're 100% sure that they would go to heaven. But in reality, they're 100% wrong because they've set their hope in something that is false and unable to save them. 
These are the ones that we find in Matthew 22 or verse chapter 7, verses 22 to 23, when it says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so Peter is going to give us a framework for which we can be certain of a proven faith that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And my encouragement to you is this. If you have walked through life and you've doubted your faith and you've questioned your faith, I want you to understand that there is a reality in which you can be certain of your faith. You can be certain of your faith. And so here are three things that I believe that Peter's going to show us that can show a proven faith in the walk of a Christian. And that is, number one, our faith is proven through our rejoicing in trials. Secondly, our proven uh, faith comes, um, our faith is proven through our results of being tested. And then thirdly, our faith is proven through our love for the unseen. Now I hope to tie all this together and and I hope to give a clear understanding of what's happening here in chapter 1, verses 6 to 12. And so without delay this morning, let's turn our text to 1 Peter 1, 6 to 9. And I'll read it again, but I'm only going to read the first nine verses. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, I can't help but right here, jump right in and bring back to your remembrance of what we spoke about last week. So let's begin by looking at number one, our faith is proven through our rejoicing in trials. Peter begins with verse six, this, he says, in this, you greatly rejoice. Okay, in this what are we to greatly rejoice? Well, it could refer back to God. It could refer back to Christ, which we see in verse 3. It could refer to the end of times in which all things will be revealed, which we see in verse 5. And finally, it could refer to everything mentioned in verses 3 to 5, which we looked at last week. And I'm going to suggest that this is pointing back to what we looked at last week, that we should be rejoicing in these three things. Number one, a living hope, a secure inheritance, and a protected salvation. This is very important to the rest of these verses, that you understand your living hope, your secure inheritance, and your protected salvation. These things should bring you joy. You should have a happiness within your soul that cannot be moved because of these three things. And I will suggest that if we are experiencing these times of difficulties, times of unjoyfulness, we have simply became like the pouting prophet and we forget about how thankful we truly can be because of these three things. These three things carry us through the difficulties. 
Because whether we like to admit it or not, we will encounter difficult times as Christians. So let me explain why these three things. Well, first, I want us to understand you can't determine the circumstances of your life all the time. Oh, you may have plans. You may have desires. Your future may be planned out from beginning to end. And none of those things are wrong in themselves as making plans, but none of them are guaranteed. I like to always refer back to Mark when he says, this is Mark's way, but God always has his way as well. Uh, It may be Stuart's way, but the reality is, is God's going to have his way because scripture says man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And so I don't want to discourage you from making good, solid plans, but be flexible because God is in the midst and sovereign and desires to move you where he can best be glorified. Dennis Swangberg last night talked about planting shade trees. Uh, The reality is, as we plant shade trees... So that one day we can enjoy them. But many times, as Dennis explained, most of the time someone else benefits from those shade trees. And many times we never get to experience them. You never know what this day will bring. But these three things, a a living hope, secure inheritance... A protected salvation, they are promised to those that are in Christ. And so maybe you're watching on television this morning and you do not have uh, the the living hope, uh, a joy that can be brought by it, a secure inheritance or a protected salvation. And my desire, my hope is that you will trust in Christ and that you will experience what many of us in this room experience daily, a joy. It's unquenchable. So in one way we see proven faith is to have joy within our souls. As he says in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. A removable joy, an irremovable joy. But he continues in verse 6 as he says in this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials. You greatly rejoice, you give thanks, you give praise, you, you're glad you have a happiness. But just because there is joy, I want you to know, doesn't mean there won't be trials. There won't be trials. Remember, Jesus promised you trials in John 16, 32. He begins, look, an hour is coming, has already come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father's with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And he says, in the world you will have tribulations. Not might or may, but you will have tribulations. He says this though, but take courage, for I've overcome the world. Listen, even if a little while it may be necessary for you and for me to encounter various trials and temptations and troubles in life, but in the end, it's beneficial for us to remember that God has victory, that God wins in the end. We who are in Christ 
are on the winning team. Now, as I look across this room, I see uh, many different ages of people and some that's not a very encouraging message because you're young and you think you're going to live to 80, 85, 90 and you see no end in sight. But some are a little mid-age and like me, 39, and I'm realizing that time, the time is ticking and what I used to think was old isn't so old anymore. And some of you are well-established Well-established. Praise the Lord. I hope I live to be a well-established age. But this may be a reality for you. A bit more than those younger. A bit more. Because Jesus Christ, we have victory even when we step into eternity. Because there will come a time when there will be no more pain. No more suffering. No more difficulties. No more trials but only a time with our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't promise your best life now. It might sell great amounts of books, but in reality, in this life, you will have tribulation. In the Greek, these trials, these troubles, are brought about by the divine, by God. And some of them may be necessary. So that we can, like Brian preached a few weeks ago, we can grow in the process of sanctification. Trials sometimes grow us. And so that you, I hope, don't miss verses 3 to 5 in the fact that Jesus Christ, our living hope, or gives us hope through his resurrection from the dead. Because when trials begin to weight down on us, when they begin to bear down on us, which many of you have experienced lately, when things aren't going the way you had expected them, the way you had planned them, when sin feels like it has a grip on your life, and that there is no way out, you can't even imagine living without it, the only thing you can do is go to the forgiveness and grace and mercy given by Jesus Christ, your living hope, your king that is on high and lifted up and exalted and given a name that's above all names, a name in which there is salvation, a name in which can break the bondage of sin and suffering, in which you can be certain that, yes, for a little while I may suffer, My wife may suffer, my family may suffer, my children may suffer, but if necessary, then God has free reign. And it's in those sufferings that you and I are sure to encounter that your faith will be proven and you will be made and molded more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Have you been suffering lately? Have you been encountering trials and difficulties and tribulations in life? The ugliness of humanity. The sin that hovers our nation. That affects each one of us. Maybe you've even experienced temptation more lately than ever before. Remember, in Christ... You have a living hope. You have a secure inheritance and a protected salvation. 
And because of them, we can rejoice and we can give thanks and we can make it through those times showing that we have a proven face through his grace. All these verses run together and that's why he said in the greeting, you are strangers to this world. Because our home is with Christ and if necessary, rejoice no matter your trial because God is at work in your life today. In you and through you that you might be an example, a, a, a piece of glory for someone else to see Jesus Christ in your life. And Peter saying, listen, even with these trials, keep on rejoicing. Peter's not the only one that taught this. These people are living in times with the Christian faith as being persecuted. They were hated. Look, people in our day hate Christ as well. People are being persecuted for their faith more and more every day right here in our own land, the land of the free. James tells us this, to consider it all joy when we encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you and I may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, the reality is, not a bump message, the reality is, is we will encounter various trials. But we who are in Christ can consider it joy because it's God through those that's molding us and making us more and more like his son. But the question is, if you're like me, how is it possible to consider it all joy in the face of trials? Aren't trials just difficult? Aren't trials just really hard? As we look across in our nation and we see all the things that people are going through, not only in our nation, but in our state, but not only in our state, in our county, but not only in our own county, in our own town. How is it that you and I can encourage them in the face of those trials to rejoice? And I submit to you, it's because we have hope in Christ. Listen, I can come this morning, I can tell you, make it through, be strong, toughen it up. Put leather on your skin. But the reality is is you can't accomplish any of that without Jesus Christ and those three items. Because Christ has given us a hope, an inheritance, and a salvation. And for that, we can consider it all joy. Listen, you're born from above. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Why? Trials? Why does it take suffering to make us and what we need to be? What's the reason? Not only is our faith proven through rejoicing and through trials, but faith, secondly, is proven through our results of being tested. Peter continues here in verse 7, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The process of purification is a daunting process in our lives. It's not a time of of happiness. Happiness is cheap because happiness is like a roller coaster. You know, you give me a, a Swiss cake roll and a Mountain Dew, I'll be happy. But when I eat it and I come over that sugar, I'll be down in the valley and I'll be unhappy because then I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to be sleepy. But the reality is, 
This purification process is a daunting process. Gold, while it's valuable, the passage reminds us that it's perishable. And to get gold into its most valuable state, it must be purified. Gold in its final stage is put into what they call the smelting process. Gold is heated to a specific point, and at that specific point, precious metals and the less so precious metals are separated, and from the gold, in most cases, the gold results in 99.9% pure gold. Look, that pure gold, that process in which cleansed the gold of impurities was done so, so that it could be of best value. God can't purify, gold can't purify itself. Someone must do that to it. And though it's purified, and it's 99.9% pure gold, it's perishable. It can be destroyed, it can be taken away, and therefore, it's of less value than faith. A faith that's proven through His grace. But faith, when placed through the smeltering process, the testing process, it's when it's tested and tried, God allows this so that you and I may be resulting in something special. You know, God created you. He gave you breath. He gave you life. And He sees you as valuable. And He wants you to be the best you can be for His glory and for His honor. And if for a little testing, the process of purification takes place, then we ought to welcome that so that we can be reminded that God in the midst of those can be glorified for his glory and for his honor. Are you going through that process today? Um, Did you go through it this week? You know, I was meeting with um, a homeowner, and uh, they were very disappointed in some work that had been done for them, not by me, but by someone else, and... They, they said, all these weeds are everywhere. And I said, welcome to the result of the fall. Weeds and gnats and mosquitoes, all a result of the fall. Listen, when we are placed in the molding process, we are done so so that we may be made perfect and complete, separating the impurities of our life from that which God desires us to be, from that which is holy and unholy. And you must understand that our faith, that your faith must be able to stand the test of fire. And when you are made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, your faith is indestructible. Your faith is indestructible. It's irremovable. You know, years ago, back when I lived in Montana, and I think at the time I had four kids, uh, one of the kids... Uh, I think it was Annabelle, and she had been doing a lot of sewing, and one of the kids got white yarn or whatever you call that, thread. 
and they scattered it all over the yard. Well, I didn't know they scattered over the yard until I started raking up leaves. And as I started raking up leaves, that stuff was everywhere, and it began to clog up the rake. And, and so I began to rake and unclog, rake and unclog, rake and untangle, rake and untangle. And I became very frustrated. But isn't that just what life is like? Something is always there to test us. Something's always there to bring about frustrations in life. You cut that board to a specific length, and I guarantee you, you put it up there, it'll be wrong. If you go out and try to do something perfectly, you're going to face frustrations because it's a part of life. People will test you. But listen, it's all done for the purpose of making us better and giving us a proof of proven faith. And it's also there to show us of a not so proven faith. Listen, the testing process, the smeltering process has made many depart from what they thought was genuine faith only to reveal to them an unproving faith. Let no one fool you. Salvation isn't something that is lost. Remember, it's a protected salvation. But rather than what we see as testing, revealing the true you, isn't that a blessing? I mean, wouldn't one want to know if they were truly not of the faith? I think the enemy's his, his favorite tool is convince them of something that's not true. Because they've walked an aisle and they've prayed a prayer and, you know, they, they, they say, that's my salvation. Well, I haven't found anything in the Bible that says walk forward and, and, and get saved in this aisle right here in front of this pew. Now, I understand the process, but many, for sake of numbers, will present people with salvation without clearly presenting the gospel to them and make them misunderstand the fact that just because they come forward and pray a prayer means nothing. Is there true biblical faith that's taking place? A proven faith. How do we know that what we trust in is solely Jesus Christ? Listen, salvation isn't something that can be lost. You know, you always hear about this person or that person that lost their salvation or walked away from the faith. Listen, they didn't lose their salvation. They never had it. John 1, 1 John 2, 19 says, They went out from us, but they were never really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. You see, a proven faith will bring about results at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, I look back at my life and I look at all of the heretical things I did growing up. All of the things that were dishonoring to God, dishonoring to my parents, dishonoring to others. And I look at what God is teaching me and how he's molding me and how he is still allowing me to go through circumstances so that he can continue to grow me and make me more and more into the image of his son. Listen, it's a process of sanctification. You won't be made perfect until you receive your glorified body. 
But my hope and my desire is that God will prune you and make you for His glory and for His honor so that you make sure that you are to receive your glorified body. Because I can't think of anything more frightening than to stand before the Lord and Him to say, Depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. You see, a proven faith will bring about the ability to endure trials, to stand the test which we'll surely face in this life. It may be hard, it may be daunting, it may be painful, but through His grace, He will sustain us. He will keep us. Now, don't mistake those trials come in all shapes, sizes, and forms. And listen, my trials aren't your trials, and your trials aren't my trials. Rather, our trials are specifically designed and fitted just for us so that God can make us and mold us into what it is He wants us to be. You see, you must look at them as a refining fire that is making you into a person with pure and genuine faith, a faith that has results. The text continues after all of these testing and this purification while gold is perishable, your faith on the other hand may be found, it says, to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't misunderstand me. We have faith now because we've trusted in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. But your faith that the revelation of Jesus Christ will produce the praise, the glory, and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some translations say the day when Jesus is revealed. And so it's important to be reminded that no one will reveal Christ, but he will reveal himself Beware of those that claim the time's at hand. How arrogant. The sun doesn't even know the time. Much less a simple-minded men. Humans. You see your faith is proven through rejoicing and trials. Our faith is proven through the result of being tested. And finally our faith is proven through our love for the unseen. Though you have proven faith through your joy through your trials, through your testings, there is a Hebrews of leaven kind of faith that also applies here uh, to show that you are genuine. And so Peter really pushes home the idea, the layout of a proven faith in Jesus Christ comes with a level of trust in that which you cannot see. It's easy to have faith in something you can see. Anybody can step out if they see there's a bridge there. The difficulty is to step when you don't know what's there. I I used an an African Impala one time to use an illustration of faith. Uh, They're able to jump seven foot high, but they're able to be kept into a three foot pin because they will not jump where they cannot see where they can land. So they're captivated because their ability their inability to see where they can land. Faith is stepping when you cannot see what's on the other side. And so Peter says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Remember John 20, verses 27 to 29, somewhere in there. We have Thomas, doubting Thomas. 
He's standing in that room and Jesus appears through the door. And he says, come over here, Thomas. You doubt me, but don't doubt me. A matter of fact, he says to Thomas, reach your fingers right here and see my hands that have been pierced through and put your hand to my side and stop being unbelieving, but rather be believing. And Thomas answered to him and says, my Lord and my God. But I love what Jesus says because you and I can get this. He says this, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. It was October 1st, 1971, five years after the great Walt Disney passed. They were there at the grand opening during the celebration. A young man leaned over to Mrs. Walt Disney and said, It is purely a shame that Walt Disney never got to see this unfold. And she smiled back and said, Oh, he saw. That's why it exists. The reality is, though we do not see him now, we believe in him. We have the book, the word of God, who tells us all about him and his love for the world and his desire for those to be saved and come to a knowledge of his son. Though we do not see him now, we believe. You've never seen Christ. You've only heard of Christ. Now you may have seen his workings through his word. And he becomes more and more real as we study his word, as we spend time with him in relationship. But you and I have never laid eyes on Jesus Christ. And this is okay because we can still love him, though we've never seen him. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look at things... Uh, Not that things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen, those are eternal. So Peter assumes that these readers here have not seen the Christ. I can't speak on your behalf, but I've never seen Christ. And therefore, I believe that Peter is speaking to me and frankly, all of you. Verse 8, and though you've not seen him, you love him. You love him. Now, what's interesting is when we read this in the Greek, love is in the indicative. What it means, what's better understood is it's understood as a statement or a fact, not a command here. The present tense gives the idea that something has already existed. This love in which they have is something that exists. Not something that will exist, but something that does exist. This true proven faith that you have love for him. Let me ask you a question. Do you have joy today in your heart? Have you come today discouraged in a time of difficulties? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ today? Not just any joy, but one that's inexpressible. A joy that can get you through those days in which you feel crushed in your heart and in your spirit and in your soul. I mean, when you worship, I think of God. And sometimes I'm overwhelmed as I sit in my office at a computer looking at his scriptures and I begin to weep because I'm 
I'm overtaken by the love that he has for us. And my joy is inexpressible. I couldn't even write it down to explain to you the joy that I have when knowing that no matter what happens, if if I'm diagnosed with cancer, if I die today, or if Christ comes back, that I will be in eternity with my Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that you, without a shadow of a doubt, can believe that with your soul of souls, that if you too experience those things, can have a joy that surpasses all understanding. And when people see you like we see so many Christians who experience difficult times, we are so encouraged when they go through them and in the midst of them they give praise and honor and glory to God. It's a wonderful blessing. This shall be the result of a proven faith. And because of this proven faith, Verse 9 says, you are obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are given a great reason for the Christian joy because of our faith. Its outcome is that of salvation. Salvation is a byproduct of God through a true, genuine faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that today? Are you leaning on your own understanding Each one of us have to give an account before the Lord. And my hope is that you can experience that true, genuine faith. You know why we should rejoice? Because God is making our faith real and proving to us that these trials, these testings, this love that we have, He is going to protect our salvation, which is of our souls. Don't miss that small but great detail. You see, this body may suffer. This world may break it to pieces, but our faith in Christ, our hope, our secure inheritance, our protected salvation brings us joy. Now, this is not anything new. This promise of salvation is something that has come from years before. Verse 10 tells us that these prophets foretold of this grace that would come. And they wanted to know more about the grace of Christ. And they searched and they inquired, wanting to know when and who the Spirit would be revealing them. But they understood that they were not serving themselves, but serving us. They wrote these things. They foretold of the sufferings of Christ and promised grace of Jesus, but not for themselves so much, but for more for us to confirm and to see through God's unfolding work in His Word that we too could have a proven faith through His grace. The message they foretold has now been announced for years through the teaching and preaching of the gospel message. They didn't preach it to their own, No, it was something that was taught to you by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something they created in their own imagination, but it was rather sent from God. Do you hear that message, the hope of Jesus Christ, to make sure that you have a proven faith, a genuine faith that will stand the test of fire? Listen, it's a sanctification process, isn't it? I'm not saying every time you have a little doubt about your faith, that means you're not truly saved. But rather, don't lose sight of the promised salvation you have in Jesus Christ. Have some doubts here and there. That's okay. That's human. We live in the flesh. We're all sinful in some way. Now we're purified through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
but that doesn't mean we're perfect. We've been given a glorious message, a hope and a promise of all these things that should show us a proven faith. That we can stand those tests, those trials, that purification process. And that we can love the Lord Jesus Christ even though we've never seen him. And if we're going to be refined as gold and we're going to be tested and we're going to be made into the image of Christ, then we must accept the work that's being done. And claim James when he says, Consider it all joy, my brother, when we encounter those trials. This will prove your genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you make that step today? Let's pray.